Every year as we approach the the Christmas season, uh, one of the great joys in my heart is to sing with the church the songs about the birth of our Savior. Something special about singing about the one who came and robed himself in flesh. God who became man to dwell among us, who would then die for our sins. Something special about thinking about him in his infancy and the humility he took upon himself to be one of us so that he could die for us. Tonight, as we come to the word of God, I want to speak for a few moments on a Christmas perspective. In Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 49, we read this. The Bible says, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. God, we ask this evening as we come to your word that our hearts would be stirred again for the Christmas story. Certainly this is familiar to us. We could, many of us could rehearse it from the prophecies in the Old Testament to the fulfillment of those prophecies and even looking beyond, we could speak of things in the end times that all center on the person of Jesus Christ. And yet, God, tonight I pray that we would gain a new perspective or a fresh perspective about these things, that, that they would stir our hearts and minds to have a greater love and dedication and service to you. God, we're thankful that you came in such a humble way and you came for sinners like us. We're thankful that, that we have hope because of Christ. Help us tonight to glean something from your word that would be helpful to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Leading up to the birth of our children, Brianna and I have often found ourselves talking about the baby we have not yet met. What will they be like? How will they act? Unfortunately, they all act like her and they're bad kids, just, just a mess. Who will they favor in their looks? And for us, one of the big things that we talked about over and over again is, what will their name be? We always had a list, a running list of names that we liked, things that we enjoyed, but for us, we had to see the baby before we could give that baby a name. We had to lay eyes on their face and see their features to see if their name was going to fit. And really, we couldn't name our children until we had a right perspective on our child. As we think about life, certainly we understand that perspective matters. And carrying on this idea of kids, to some people, our kids may look like a a Bob and a Sue and a Jillian and a Jack. But to us, they looked exactly like a Noah, an Olivia, an Anderson, and a Charlotte. And when we laid eyes on them for the first time, our perspective on everything changed. The the names we thought we liked, we no longer liked anymore. 
Because the name that was in our hearts and in our minds was the perfect name for that child. Again, your perspective, as you look at our kids, may be different. But for us, that was our perspective. And perspective changes everything. We understand that perspective matters as we read through the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of them often give parallel accounts. Meaning that they're describing the same thing. But if you've ever read the Gospels, you'll... Be quick to understand what? That each of their perspectives was often different. And the same would be true of us. You may leave the service tonight thinking one thing or having one thing that stuck out to you and somebody else, probably everybody else, would have something completely different that stuck out to them. Our perspectives matter. And truthfully, a right perspective will lead us to a right understanding. A right perspective will cause us to grasp things in a helpful way. And a right perspective will warm our hearts even in the most difficult of times. And the passage that we'll look at tonight is part of Mary's song, or the Magnificat, as it's often called. And this is one of four songs that is sung in the Christmas narrative. And each one of them is pointing to the beautiful picture about the or of the eternal work of Christ, but in a different way and from a different perspective. And yet all of them in some way See the baby in the manger and eventually get to the man on the cross. And that's truthfully, friends, what Christmas is all about. So I pray as we look at these verses tonight that we would see and appreciate and grab hold of the perspective that Mary had. We understood at this point she had not yet given birth. But our understanding of who God was and who this baby would be and what he would accomplish was changing rapidly with the more conversations that she had. I pray tonight that we would gain the perspective that Mary had as we think about the situation she found herself in. I want to see five things briefly tonight that hopefully will encourage our hearts in this Christmas season to consider what perspective we have in our lives. The first thing Mary understood is that she recognized his worthiness of her praise. In verse number 46, the Bible says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And, and as she heard what Elizabeth had to say about the baby that was in her womb, as she understood the excitement and joy that Elizabeth had about this baby that she would give birth to, Mary realized and recognized on a deeper level that there was something significant about this child within her. Now, she already knew in some parts, didn't she? As the angel came to her and said, Hey, Mary, this is what your son is going to do. This is who he's going to be. She already understood because of the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. And yet when Elizabeth proclaimed these truths about Jesus to Mary, Mary stopped where she was and she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. As we think about Mary's perspective, what caused her to say this? Well, it was nothing more or nothing less than she recognized this idea that he, the Lord, was worthy of her praise. And church family tonight, I would encourage you to understand and, under, and, and grow in this truth in your own life that God is always worthy of our praise. As she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She's speaking about her most inward part. 
the part that was struggling and wrestling with what was going on inside of her and who it was that was growing inside of her. And yet when Elizabeth declared these truths to her, she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. While many have chosen to make a big deal out of who Mary was, Mary chose to make a big deal about who her God was. And she declared in this moment that from the depths of her being, though her road was difficult and though the trial that she would face was intense, that her God was worthy of her praise. And so she says in verse 46 again, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Have you ever felt something in your soul, that deepest part of you, the, the, the part of you that, that nobody else can really know unless you share it with them, that part of you that is so inside that sometimes it's even hard for you to express it in words? Well, as Mary was considering the situation that she was placed in by the choosing of God, Understanding the trial that was in front of her to some degree, understanding to some degree what would happen to her son, she simply proclaims this truth, my soul magnifies the Lord. That word magnifies, we understand what that means. If you take a magnifying glass and you put it on things, some things it will start a fire, but other things it's, what, it's meant to do what? To magnify them, to make them bigger, to make much of something that is small. And as Mary makes this statement, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's seeking to make much of her God in the situation she was in. She was seeking to praise him as she understood and declared that he alone was worthy of her praise. And friend, tonight I want to declare that truth still remains that God alone is worthy of our praise. I have been so deeply encouraged and convicted by many of you who have faced very difficult things. And through it all, your desire has been that God would be glorified, that God would be magnified, that his name would be made big, even if it means that you have to go through a time of suffering. So Mary recognized his worthiness of her praise. The second thing we see tonight in verse 47 is that Mary recognized it was God who saved. In verse 47, it says, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. So her soul was magnifying the Lord, and her spirit began to rejoice. But then look at this name that she gives to God. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in who? Well, it rejoiced in none other than God, her Savior. This name that Mary gives to God is pretty incredible when you break it down. And recognizing or using the word God, she's speaking of a deity, but not just any deity. She's speaking of the deity, the one true God who reigned sovereignly over every situation in her life, including the baby who was now inside of her womb. And she said, God, and then she says the word my. You see, Mary understood that this God in heaven was more than just a distant deity. But he was a God who desired to have a personal and intimate relationship with his children. And so she says, God, my, and then she says the word Savior. Typically, when we think of a Savior, we only reference Jesus. But Mary, in this moment, recognizes that it was God who was working behind the scenes to make all these things 
to come to be. It was God who was putting the the tapestry together, so to speak, to make a beautiful picture in the end. It was God who was orchestrating every event in life to come to this point. And Mary didn't find herself pregnant with Jesus at a random point in times in in history, but it was the God-appointed time. She recognized in this moment that this God who was pulling the strings, so to speak, was also the God who had chosen a people for himself that he would save for himself, that would then turn and be a light to the nations so that people from every tongue, tribe, and race could call upon the name of Jesus to be saved. And so when she says, God, my Savior, Mary is recognizing something very big about God. And that is his plan for salvation for the world. And who was it that Mary was carrying inside of her? None other than the Savior. The one who would come and live and die and rise again to rescue and redeem a people back to God. Mary was recognizing this truth. She recognized his worthiness of her praise, but she also recognized it was God who has saved. And I wonder tonight, have you recognized this? Maybe you're here tonight and you've been toiling and working trying to save yourself. Friend, you will never save yourself. But there is a God who can save you and desires to save you if you will call upon His name. There is a God who loves you beyond any love that you could imagine. And this is the same God that Mary is referencing in this moment. And as she recognized God as Savior, I wonder tonight, will you recognize God as Savior? So she recognized His worthiness of her praise. She recognized that it was God who saved. Thirdly, tonight, Mary recognized her own unworthiness. In verse 48, the Bible continues and says this, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She recognized her own unworthiness. As I said a moment ago, many like to make much of Mary. And I think it's okay for us to recognize Mary. She was chosen by God to bring forth the Savior of the world. But what she understood is what we need to remember is that she was unworthy of this position. And yet God chose her to make her worthy. While many make much out of Mary, Mary didn't make much out of herself. She says, for he, speaking of the God who was the Savior and this God who her soul was magnifying, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Do you know what that says to us? That God is involved in every detail of our lives. That he's not a God who sits in heaven and looks down with a judging eye, seeing how he can make our lives miserable, but he's a God in heaven who looks down with an eye of mercy towards his prized creation. And just as he has taken the low estate of Mary into account, friend, he has also taken our low estate into account. Mary recognizes that she was nothing more than a handmaiden, a servant. And yet God had chosen her to do something significant that would change the course of history that would change lives in every generation of people from all around the world. Mary recognized in this moment that she was unworthy. And friends, let that be a reminder to us that we are also unworthy. It's not because of us that God has saved us. It's in spite of us that God has saved us. 
It's not because we bring anything to the table that is even worth saving other than the fact that we are God's creation. But he saves because of his great love, as the word of God tells us. And so we should never think much of ourselves, but rather we should think much of the God who has saved us. Friday night, I was walking down our driveway late at night, and I looked up in the, in the sky, and I, I all of a sudden got this shrinking feeling that just rushed over me. Does anybody ever have that feeling before? And I began to think about the reality that at this point in time, I am one of over 8 billion people in this world, wondering, God, why am I here at this point in history? Why am I here now? Why am I here at all? And the truth is, I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. You see, I'm not worthy to be a child of God. I'm not worthy to be a servant of God. Yet God has opened that door up to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And as Mary looked at her own life, she didn't say, hey, everybody, look at me. But she looked at herself and said, I'm unworthy. And then pointed everyone to the one who was worthy of praise, who was indeed her God. So she says again in verse Verse 48, he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And you may say, well, isn't that Mary making much of herself in that moment? No, again, it's Mary making much of her God because she recognized that she didn't deserve the blessings of God. And isn't that true of each of us? If any of us have ever experienced the blessings of God, it's not because we deserve them. But it's because God is gracious and he's long-suffering and he's kind and he's patient and he's merciful. Reminds us of what Paul says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So when we recognize our unworthiness, we're quick to also recognize his worthiness as Mary already recognized in verse number one. The fourth thing tonight is that Mary recognized the ability of God. Verse 49, the first part says this, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. My brother shared that song with me that these ladies sang at the beginning of service, and I want to thank them for singing that because it's been on repeat. You can ask our kids in our car every time we go anywhere. And isn't it a beautiful song? And one of the reasons it's beautiful is because it comes from Scripture. He who is mighty has done great things to me. And as we think through the narrative of the Christmas story, I think we're all quick to agree that not everything that took place in that time could have been reconciled in that moment as a great thing. Finding out that you're pregnant when you're not married, to many did not look like a great thing. Joseph finding himself in that position where he had a decision to make of whether or not he was going to stay with Mary or leave Mary was not a great thing. Mary having to explain to her parents the situation that she found herself in was not a great thing. But as Mary in this moment was thinking about the baby in her womb, that he was the maker of all things that exist, including the maker of Mary herself, recognized in this moment, that he who is mighty has done great things to me. That she was privileged at this moment in time to carry the Lord's Christ inside of her. 
Other versions say that he that is mighty has done great things for me. Understanding this idea of, of not just the present situation that Mary was in, but recognizing also the greater influence that this situation would, would impact as we think about Jesus being the Savior of the world. And as Mary thought on the Christ, as she thought on God in heaven who had this planned out long before the world was ever in existence, she lifted up her voice and magnified the Lord God because of his great ability. And just as he did great things then, friend, he is still doing great things today. He who is mighty has done great things. Peter tells us that his hand is mighty. The psalmist calls him a mighty rock. Isaiah says that he is a mighty God and Zephaniah calls him a mighty warrior. And this is the God who we get to call our father. He is mighty in all that he does. And as he did mighty things then, he still does mighty things today. His ability is unmatched. His power is unrivaled. His authority has no end. He is God. And Mary recognized in this moment that he was reigning supremely. He that is mighty hath done great things. And as that was his track record then, friend, we can rejoice because that is still his track record today. If you are a child of God, if you have been saved by the name of Jesus, then God has done something mighty in your life. And as we've seen recently, God is still doing those very mighty things. But then the final thing this evening that we see about a Christmas perspective and Mary's perspective most specifically is that Mary recognized that God was holy. In the last part of verse 49, she says this, and holy is his name. That's not God's name. God's name is God, right? It's Yahweh, it's Jehovah, it's, it's the, the, the self-existent one. But Mary, in this moment, as she's thinking, she's thinking about all the circumstances that are surrounding her present situation, she doesn't have anger towards God or resentment towards God. She's not having bitterness swell up in her heart towards God or anxiety about what God is doing. She simply declares that holy is his name. As we think about the Old Testament in Isaiah 6, what do we see the angels declaring around the throne? Holy, holy, holy. You see, Mary was learning something more about her God as the days went on. When the angels appeared to her, she recognized that God was doing something significant. And then as Matt shared this morning, as she pondered these things or she connected the dots of these things. She was thinking to the Old Testament and then to her present situation. And then as Elizabeth declared what she declared over Mary in, in this moment. And then as they went to the temple after Jesus was born and, and uh, Simeon declared what he declared, that this is the Lord's Christ, the Savior of the world. Mary was recognizing that God has always been a holy God. And her present situation makes that no different Holy is his name. And what does that mean for us? That if holy is his name, then so is everything he does. Holy. Have you ever met somebody that held a position that they should not hold? Maybe you're thinking of a boss. Maybe you're thinking of me. I don't know. 
But did you know that nobody could ever accuse God of holding a position that he did not deserve to be in? Nobody could ever accuse God of not being holy, for he's holy in everything that he does. And as Mary sings her song of praise to God, she declares, holy is his name. My third, my favorite verse of one of my favorite hymns is the third verse of holy, holy, holy that says this. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eyes of sinful men thy glory may not see, only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love, and in purity. And as Mary thought on this baby that was in her womb. And as she thought about the God who was orchestrating these things to be, I believe Mary would have agreed with the hymn writer that this holy God is perfect in his power, he's perfect in his love, and he's perfect in his purity. As the days went on and the months went on and John the Baptist was born and then Jesus came to be born, and Mary found herself holding, holding this baby in her arms. She pondered everything that led up to that point about the prophecies, about the word of the angel, about the words of Elizabeth. But as Matt shared this morning, and I found it interesting that we both kind of drew the same conclusion, that probably wasn't the only time that Mary pondered these things. And as she stood at the foot of the cross, 33 years or so after the time that she gave birth, she pondered again everything that happened. But in a way that she didn't even fully understand, she pondered everything that the death of her perfect son, that it would accomplish. And I bet you, the words of her song came back to her mind. He who is mighty hath done a great thing for me. Holy is his name. And she would agree with the songwriter who put her words together along with some of the other scriptures as they say, He who is mighty has done a great thing, taken on flesh and conquered death's sting, shattered the darkness and lifted our shame. Holy is his name. And church, we rejoice today. Because his name is holy. We rejoice because he is still doing a mighty thing. And as we look to the cradle and picture this baby being placed there for the very first time as he took his first breaths in time and space as we know it, we also must look to the man who struggled to take his last breaths on the cross as he died for my sins and for yours. And through the substitutionary atonement, through the work of Christ on the cross, as he died for sinners, God has done the greatest work that the world could ever know. And that is taking sinners 
and making them holy like he is. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, then friend, our desire tonight is that you would leave here knowing Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus through your whole life and you know the story, but to you it's nothing more than a story. Can I tell you tonight, it is more than a story. It is a truth that has the ability to change your life. And your perspective on Jesus matters. You see, those of us in the room who have trusted Christ, we look on Christ with a perspective that says He is our everything. But maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, my perspective is He's just one of many. Well, the Bible would say that your perspective is is skewed. It's wrong. And our prayer tonight is that you would look on Christ with a new perspective. That you would look on the work of God through Christ as the only way to have hope in this life and the next. That you would call upon the name of Jesus so that he would be not just a savior, but so that he would be your savior. Gina's going to come and play a special as we prepare for communion tonight. And as she plays, for those of us who are believers, I would ask that we spend a few moments looking into our own hearts as we prepare to take what Jesus told us to do in remembrance of Him. But if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that maybe you would meet me at the back of the church during this song so that we could go through the Word of God and show you how you could be saved, to have your perspective shifted from being one that says Jesus is is a good guy or one of many guys that can get me to God, to becoming Jesus is the only way to God. When we're done with Gina's special, we'll, we'll move into communion, and I'll give you a few instructions after that. But when we're done communion, if you have children in the nursery, I would ask you at that time to go and grab your kids, And then we're going to light our candles and sing three or four more songs as we conclude our Christmas Eve service this evening. So Gina, would you play?